You know, one of the things that I've experienced in my lifetime, and I'm sure that you've experienced it as well, especially during this season, is that hardship and suffering can be a bit disorienting. You know what I mean by that? I mean, you just, it's just hard to think about anything, and then one thing after another comes your way. I was thinking this week how similar it is to when you're playing in the waves in the ocean. You know, like when it's a yellow flag or maybe even a red flag and the, and the waves are really high. At first it's kind of fun, you can kind of do a duck dive and kind of dive through the wave or maybe jump over top of them. But what happens over time is the waves keep coming and they just keep coming and coming and coming and coming. They're, they're not only powerful, but the waves are relentless. And if you're not careful, you could maybe have your head turned the wrong way, turn around and boom, get hit by a wave and it can knock you over. Maybe there's a bit of an undertow and begin to kind of move you along. It's hard to get your feet or maybe a big wave catches you and there's all sorts of foam and you're swirling and turning around and you just don't know where the floor is of the ocean to try and get your feet. And then just by the time you get up, another wave comes and it can be really alarming and scary and disorienting because wave after wave is just coming at you. I think it's an apt picture of what it's like at times to deal with suffering and sorrow, dealing with hardship. It's not just that one thing is hard, it's that 50 things are hard. It's not just that one thing hits you, it's that things hit you over and over and over. I wonder if over the last number of months if you found yourself thinking or saying, what in the world, another issue? Another challenge? Another problem? The fact of the matter is, is that hardship is disorienting and it's a painful reminder of what we should have known or probably knew at some level before, but suffering reminds us of it very clearly, and it's this, that we desperately need God's help. And in our text today, we're gonna especially look at our need, not just for God's help in general, but our need for God's help in regards to wisdom, wisdom. This is another reason why we love the book of James, because now in our third week, week one was a text that helped us to understand what it meant to count it all joy when we encounter various trials, that our, our posture needs to not be defensive, but offensive. We need to lean into the wave, not lean back from it. And then last week we read the text that said we're to let steadfastness have its full effect. So we're to allow the process of spiritual maturity to take place in our lives and not just to be passive, but to embrace that, look, God's doing something in my life. I may not like it, it may not be easy, but he's, he's changing me and shaping me. Well, today we're gonna talk about the issue of wisdom. And what's interesting is that James connects this idea of wisdom to the category of suffering and hardship, in particular, this reality of steadfastness. In other words, one of the ways that we embrace steadfastness is by embracing wisdom. One of the ways that we experience spiritual maturity is by coming to terms with what wisdom means, how to get it, and how to ask for it. So today what I wanna do in our text is to wrestle with three questions about wisdom. So what does James tell us here about wisdom? And we're gonna look at three particular questions that help to frame this discussion so that we can make it another day, another week. Question number one is this. Do I know that I need wisdom? So do I know that I need wisdom? The very first step is to realize that, you know what? I don't know as much as I think I know. 
It's a realization that I need God's help. Verse five states it this way. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. So the question just simply is, do we know what wisdom is and do we know that we need it? Because knowing that you need wisdom is usually half the battle. What's wisdom? A couple months ago, we studied the book of Proverbs, and I suggested to you that wisdom is essentially biblical truth applied in the real world. Or you can think of it very simply as this, truth to life. It takes Bible principles and figures out how to be able to make them work. The Bible tells us that we're to be generous. Great. Well, what exactly does that look like? It tells parents, dads, don't exasperate your children. It's true. But what exactly does that look like? It tells us, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, see that you respect your husbands. Well, what does that exactly look like? Romans 13 says to honor those who are in authority and respect institutions of government. It's true. Well, what exactly does that look like? That's wisdom. Principle now brought down into life and into the real world. And what James is saying here is if you lack this divine wisdom, we ought to ask God. But first, we need to know that we need it. And apparently, James connects wisdom to what it means to be spiritually mature. So in order to grow, in order to be a person more formed in the image and likeness of Christ, we need wisdom. Colossians chapter one, here's what the apostle Paul prayed for the church at Colossae. He said, and so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all, here it is, spiritual wisdom and understanding. So one of the marks of spiritual maturity is simply knowing that you need wisdom. It's the realization that I don't possess all of the knowledge that I need. And isn't that a really important concept to understand? I mean, parents, you know that two of the most exasperating words coming out of your child's mouth are these words, I know. Man, that makes me mad really fast, right? When my kids were little and they were like, hey, and I'd say, hey, go clean your room. I know, ooh, man, that'd be like, man, you, you don't know. And if you did know, you would know you wouldn't say I know because that makes me mad and that I know, right? So it's just like, like, like don't say I know because I know is an evidence that you don't actually know. Some of the best professors that I ever had in seminary were the people who understood what they knew and they also understood what they didn't know and they were always learning So one of the marks of spiritual maturity is that you know that you don't know, that you know that you need wisdom, that, listen, wisdom is found outside of yourself. In fact, that's how you came to faith in Christ in the first place. One of the hurdles that you had to get over is realizing that there are answers for solving your sin problem in and of yourself, that you have to look to to another, to Jesus, that the Bible tells tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory, and the only way for us to be forgiven of our sins is to put our trust in Jesus, not our trust in ourselves. In fact, it could be that you're here in the room or maybe watching, and one of the things that's happened in your life because of COVID and all of the hardship that's taken place during this season is you're just coming to terms with the fact of how limited your knowledge and understanding and even your abilities really are. And one of the things that might happen, and praise God if it did, that you just came to terms with the fact that I need help 
beyond myself, that I've come to the end of my rope and I realize I need God to help me, I need Jesus to save me. Some Christians, they'll make the mistake of thinking that once that happens to them, they put their faith in Christ, that they kind of leave that helplessness behind. When reality is, spiritual maturity means that you grow deeper and deeper in your understanding of how much wisdom you need and how helpless you really are. What we find in the context of James chapter five today is this value of wisdom. In fact, Jesus even told his disciples that he would give them wisdom when they got into a bad spot, when they were persecuted. Look at Luke 21, verse 12. This is what Jesus says to them. But before this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom. Notice the hope that he's giving them which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. But then notice how hard life's gonna be. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. And by endurance, you will gain your lives. I mean, Jesus tells the disciples, your life's gonna be hard, but I got good news for you. I got you, and I'm gonna give you wisdom. And in between, I got you, and I'm gonna give you wisdom, life's gonna to be tough, and yet you're gonna be okay, and you're gonna be able to endure. One of the reasons that I'm thankful that this verse is in the Bible, if any of you lacks wisdom, is because it stresses the importance of just coming to an understanding of how deeply we need God's help in every way. And I just want to remind you that any hardship that reminds you that you can't do it is actually really good for you. It's actually the kind of thing that helps to deflate self-assurance and remind us of God's ability to help us no matter what it is that we're facing. You know, the biblical definition of a fool is somebody who's overconfident, who's stubborn, who's unteachable, and the first step, think of this, in becoming wise is realizing that you're not wise. Realizing that I don't know all of what I don't know. I was reading somewhere this week and I saw a, a, a call to worship and I thought it was really, it kind of made me smile where the pastor got up and said, good morning, welcome to church, we're so glad you're here, nothing about today is about you. <laughs> I was like, that's good. This day is about God because, man, in our consumer mindset, we come to church thinking this is all about me and my pain and my wants and my desires, what's happened to me, and it's good to be reminded at the end of the day we have a great need for God's grace because it isn't all about us. One of the reasons that suffering is so helpful in maturity and creating spiritual growth is because it just realize, helps us to realize how deeply we need God's help. The challenge, though, for some of us, if we're honest, is that you may be a bit wisdom aware right now, like you know that you need help, but to be honest with you, you just don't want that. You're, you're more irritated than you are longing for wisdom. You're more exhausted or frustrated, and as a result, you may know intellectually that you need wisdom, but you don't want it. In other words, I don't want to be wise, I just wanna be mad. Ever felt like that? And what James says is, do you lack wisdom? Ask God. 
So the first step is knowing that you need it. And I also want to encourage you, church, that wisdom is different than information. There's some really, really smart people who are fools. There's some really, really intelligent people who are not wise. See, part of the issue is not just what we know or information that we're gleaning, but also how we apply it in our lives. A number of months ago, I showed you this diagram from a guy named Brett McCracken. He's written a book, it's coming out next year. It's actually called The Wisdom Pyramid. It fully unpacks this. I had the privilege of reading a man, the manuscript of this book. It's amazingly helpful. He talks about this wisdom dynamic like it's a food group, right? And, and so how to be balanced and be sure that the Bible and the church and nature and beauty and books, like, like these are the main things that are fueling our understanding of what wisdom is. It doesn't mean that the internet or social media has zero wisdom, but we need to be sure that we understand the difference of that kind of wisdom versus biblical wisdom. Listen to what McCracken says in the introduction of his book. I was sitting in my bed reading this and I, said to my wife, you've got to hear this. This is really, really excellent writing and really helpful. Here's what he said. Our world has more and more information, but less and less wisdom. I mean, that sentence right there is just so pregnant with truth. He writes, more data, less clarity, more stimulation, less synthesis, more distraction, less stillness, more pontificating, less pondering, more opinion, less research, more speaking, less listening, more to look at, less to see, more amusement, less joy. There is more, but we are less, and we all feel it. Wow, that is so true. So the first question I want you to ask yourself this morning is this, do I know that I need wisdom? Has God put you in a place this week where because of something that's going on in your life that you're just realizing, man, I, just, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to approach this. And it's not just one thing, it's like 10 things all at once. And instead of resisting that, could I just encourage you today just to wrap your arms around that and say, ah, this is helping to remind me that I need God's wisdom. So the fact that I know that I need it is step one, that's the first question. Do I know that I need wisdom? The second question is this, how do I get wisdom? Well, James tells us. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. That word ask is a, another present active imperative. James loves imperatives. He's probably the guy who just was always helpful in terms of helping people to know what they ought to do. So it's a command, and the idea is that I'm to be in a posture where I'm consistently characterized, not just by knowing that I need wisdom. Now here's the second step, but by asking for wisdom. You see, it's one thing to know you need wisdom, but it's another to ask God for it. And what hardship does is hardship intensifies the asking of God for wisdom. Wisdom is a grace gift that we have to seek after. We need wisdom now to know how do I answer, when do I not answer, how am I to be gracious, when am I to be blunt, what should I do, what should I not do, what should I say, who should I talk to, who shouldn't I talk to, what steps should I take, and these are all things that God can provide. He provides them through the wisdom of his word, from a multitude of counselors, sometimes just time, and circumstances, the Lord uses wisdom to let things play out. Sometimes just the Holy Spirit speaks and just gives you a, a leaning or an inclination as to what you are to do. So the point with wisdom is not so much its application in this text as it is its source. 
Wisdom comes from God. So while wisdom is biblical truth applied to life, James wants you to know God is the one who owns it. And so the beauty of wisdom is not just the fact that you know what to do, it's the fact that you sought God to know how to do it. Suffering then is not just solved by you figuring it out. It is by God allowing you to seek after him and that's what his goal is in the first place. And that's why some of you have not been very content with the quality of wisdom that God has provided you. And what you need to know that is if God had provided you the quality of the wisdom that you want in order to solve the problem that's in front of you, you and I and God both know what would happen. You would stop seeking God because you finally got what you want, which was a solution to your problem, and that's actually not God's plan for your life. God is more interested not in your solution as he is in you pursuing him. And so by God giving you a graduated extent or a limitation on wisdom causes you to have to keep coming back to him and back to him and back to him. And for some of us, I get it, I'm there with you. It's tiresome. It gets wearying. And in some cases, you just want the situation to be over, solved, fixed. Like if you're a fixer, this is a hard time to be alive because how in the world do you fix what's going on? And yet the point isn't fixing it. The point is seeking the God who owns all of the resources because God's aim is for you to come through this season not just with more wisdom, but to come through this season with more wisdom so that you have had a heart that sought after God. Now look what he says. He says, let him ask God, and notice he, he roots the offer to ask God in the very character of God. He doesn't talk about the quality of wisdom, although the wisdom certainly is full of divine beauty, but instead he talks about what God is like. He says that God gives it generously, meaning God owns all of the wisdom. He hears our cry, he's ready to help. Secondly, God gives it graciously. He says, to all without reproach. So God isn't like that friend of yours who you didn't ask advice last time and in the back of their mind they're thinking, I told you so, if you just would have come and asked me, I could have helped you. God isn't folding his arms and saying, well, where were you last time when you fell into this trap? He's not folding his arms saying, it's about time you came, wondered how long that was gonna take. I could have told you. God isn't like that, he's not like your mom. Okay? or your dad, or your annoying friend, or your boss, or whoever it is that just drives you crazy when it comes to advice. God is not like that. He is generous. He's gracious. He also says he's consistent. He says he gives it without reproach. He doesn't give it to an elite group of people. God doesn't say, did you read your Bible this week? No, I'm not giving you wisdom. Did you give last week? No, I'm not giving you. Don't give there. I'm going to give you. God's not like that. God's providing without reproach, doesn't reserve it for some elite class of people, but instead God is using hardship in order to show us our need for wisdom, and then he invites us, he invites you, even this Sunday, to ask him, to say, God, I need your help here. I need you to give me wisdom. I don't have it in and of myself. And it's a moment when we painfully come to him and say, God, I just don't know what to do. And as hard and as stressful and as challenging as that is, can I just remind you, that is a really good thing for human beings saved by the blood of Christ to be reminded that they need God's help all the time. So one of the great things that happens in hardship is that before we take a first step, we can stop and say, you know what, I need wisdom. 
and I need to ask God for it. One of the first steps is just stopping and realizing I need wisdom. Are there any of you who solve physical problems like I do every once in a while? If the door won't close, my first tendency is just to close it harder, right? If the car door won't shut well, I just kind of push it, right? <laughs> my wife did this one time. We were out camping. It was when we were first married. We didn't have a camper. We had a little tent, and we slept on an air mattress, a big air mattress, a nice air mattress, an expensive air mattress, a really expensive air mattress, which is where the story is going. Uh, so, so we had a, a Pontiac 6000, this, this old car. They don't even make them anymore. They were so bad. And uh, we had the, 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 uh, the tent and the air mattress in the trunk. We arrived really late at night, like one in the morning or something, set up the tent. It was dark. And um, I had forgotten that I put the air mattress in the trunk. And so I had asked my wife, would you just close the trunk for me, honey? I think we're just about ready. Forgotten to blow up the air mattress. So she went back to the trunk and she went to close the back and she closed it and it wouldn't close. And so she closed it again and again and again and again. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. And I went back and shone the flashlight and sure enough, the air mattress was on top of the, uh, the tongue of, of, the, uh, 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 of the trunk. And every time she closed it, it advanced the air mattress a little bit further. So it wasn't just that we had one big hole, we had seven like small holes because she closed it and closed it and closed it and closed it and closed it. So then I got my repair kit out and it was like that big. So we had a long night sleeping without an air mattress, right? Because her first step was, I'm just gonna do it harder. For some of us, we need to realize that our first step when hardship comes is we get mad, we get frustrated, we just work harder instead of stopping and thinking, you know what, I need wisdom. And that first step that could be a change could be incredibly helpful, maybe even to you today. You know, James says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. So if you're sitting here today and you realize, I need wisdom, you need to know that is a gift from God because sinful human beings in their own strength and their own power do not realize that. So first question, do I know that I need wisdom? Second question, how do I get wisdom? Third, how do or should I ask? James says, let him ask in faith with no doubting. So what does it mean to ask in faith? It means that you keep asking in faith, not that you have faith and then you ask. This is really important. Some of you mistakenly think that in order to have the ability to ask, you first need to have the faith to ask. And what James is saying is you ask in faith. So you ask by faith. It means that you seek God even when at times you wonder what he's gonna provide or if he's gonna provide or what it's gonna look like in the context of him giving you wisdom. So you take steps and ask. In faith, it's like there's times that you've come to church, I'm sure this has been the case, that on a Sunday morning you woke up and you didn't feel like coming to church or you didn't feel like tuning in. You kind of had that Sunday funk going where you're just kind of, and you didn't maybe want to see anybody and then you get in the context of worship or you hear a song that you're watching and by the second song your heart has been transformed and God's kind of put you through the Christian defunct filter and you've got to a point where you're like, man, my soul is actually singing this and you left encouraged when this morning you were acting like an unbeliever and by the time you left, you act like a believer. It's an amazing transformation that can happen but how did it happen? It happened because you got your soul and heart in the right place by bringing it to a position where it could receive God's grace. 
And what James says here is you're to ask. It doesn't mean that you've got zero doubt, but it means you don't allow your doubt to cause you to not ask. You ask in faith. It doesn't mean that your faith is fully baked out, but it means that you continue to seek him and ask him. And then he says this, with no doubting, meaning this, that you don't have the kind of doubt that shuts you down from asking. It doesn't mean that when you ask, there's no inclination of any kind of wondering, how's this gonna work, how's, gonna, how's God gonna provide? There's always a mingling of belief and unbelief, but what he's saying is, is that we ask and we continue to do so and we don't allow our doubts to give God the silent treatment. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. He's saying here, if you, if you, if you ask, or you're the kind of person that doesn't ask because you don't ask in faith, then the result is you are a person who has this war going on inside of your soul. It's a belief-unbelief dynamic. And the way that you deal with the belief-unbelief dynamic is that you take steps of faith and you act in a way that fits with what you believe. James says, if you don't, then you're a person who's going to be driven and tossed by the wind, meaning you're allowing circumstances and problems and hardships to pummel you, and it's one wave after another. And what James is saying is to resist, to lean in, to push against the tendency to go the other direction and act like an unbeliever. So he calls us to seek the Lord. So let me ask you, what is it in your life right now that you need to seek the Lord for wisdom? What is it in your life right now that through hardship is creating the kind of scenario where you need to lean in, not lean away? Beginning tonight, all the way from this worship-based prayer night to the worship-based prayer night in September, we're dedicating the next 30 days to prayer and fasting. And we're gonna have both resources and events to help you. And we're doing this, and you can go to this particular website, yourchurch.com forward slash 30 days of prayer. Give you an example. Tomorrow at noon, we're just gonna open the chapel. It's got beautiful stained glass window, laminate beams. It's the way church used to look, where we do funerals and weddings and things like that. We're just gonna open it up as a space for you to come and just quietly pray before the Lord. Maybe take the noon hour and maybe give up your lunch and just simply come and sit and for 15 minutes or a half hour, just spend some time with the Lord. Seven o'clock on Tuesday mornings here on campus or uh, through an online platform, we're gonna have men gathering to pray together just for 30 minutes, just to say, let's lean in, let's ask God. Let's, let's not use the circumstance to push us on our heels. Let's lean into it. Wednesday nights at seven, an opportunity for you to pray. Same thing here on site or online. Thursdays at seven is a prayer time for women either here or online, you can go to the website, all of the calendar events that are there. We'd love to have you join us. And the reason that we're doing this with both resources and gatherings is to help you lean in, not lean back. So that you could look at this season and realize when hardship came, I redoubled my effort to seek the Lord. I didn't allow me, myself to be spiritually put on my heels. So seeking the Lord for wisdom means that we live by faith and we seek God's help even when life is hard. It means that you lean in. James says, this double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, is in contrast to the one who, if you lack wisdom, you ask God. I found this hymn this week in my time with the Lord. I found it to be really helpful, an old hymn that I've sung many times in my lifetime. Just Look at the words, day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. 
Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. You know what? The Bible tells us that in the midst of hardship, when the press of life is coming upon us, that God wants us to lean in for wisdom. Do you know you lack wisdom? If so, that's a gift. And if you do, then ask him. Well, how do I ask him? Ask in faith. How do I ask in faith? By keep asking, that's how. You keep asking and asking and asking. So if God has you in a place where you find yourself saying, Lord, I don't know what to do, instead of that making you mad, perhaps it could be a moment where you could just say, God, I don't know what to do, but I'm thankful I can ask you. And so here I come again. I need wisdom. Would you bow your heads with me? In a moment, we're gonna sing and reflect on what we've heard today, but I wonder just in the quietness of this moment, either online or in the room, if there's something right now that you just need to turn back over to the Lord and say, God, I'm gonna pull this out of the waves of my disappointment and I'm just gonna tell you, God, I need your help. I need wisdom. Is there anything in your life right now that you just need to repent of? Are you more mad or irritated or frustrated than you've been embracing the opportunity to seek God in faith? And what is it in your life right now? You just need to fill in the blank. God, I need wisdom with. Would you just take a moment and then we're gonna to sing together. Just a time of quiet meditation. You fill in that blank. Lord, help me. I need wisdom with.